0: Welcome into the Power Alley. I'm your host, Pat Malacaro. Hope you had a great end of the 2018 year as we look forward to 2019. There are a lot of great things ahead as we look forward to the season that will be here at Salem Field. But before we look ahead to 2019, it's hard not to think back to just about a year ago in 2018 when Jerry Howarth, last February, announced that he was stepping away from the mic for the Toronto Blue Jays as the longtime voice of the team. Enter Ben Wagner, at the time, the voice of the herd here in Buffalo. I had a chance to catch up with Ben and talk to him just about the last 11 months and what it's been like transitioning from a AAA broadcaster to now voice of baseball in the summer all throughout Canada. So, Ben, the last time we chatted was late in the season, and we talked a lot about the Blue Jays. I want to talk to you about kind of your season in your first year in the big leagues. Let's go back almost a year ago. How was the experience of going to spring training with the Blue Jays and eventually getting the job as the play-by-play
1: voice of the Blue Jays and all that month leading up to that time? Wow, that's uh, a wide range of answers because getting to spring training was interesting because Jerry retired so late in the the baseball calendar, right? And knowing that Sportsnet had to get games on the radio – they were in a panic. I knew they were in a panic. I thought, whoa, well, this could work really well for Ben Wagner if they were, you know, backed into a corner where I would at least get some opportunity to go down to spring training and help him out, regardless of the job situation. That was exciting. And I can tell you that I interviewed in Toronto on a Thursday. By the time that I parked the car back in Lancaster and got into the house, my phone rang and it was one of the one of my now bosses calling to say, how soon can you get to Florida? And I said, well, I can start walking right now, that, you know, whatever you want me to do. And he said, well, listen, we're thinking about getting you down as soon as possible, get you on the broadcast, start things moving forward, because one, they had to get games on the air, like I said. Two, then, they needed, they needed to get the process underway. So I, I felt really good about that opportunity. But then the panic sets in. Things are happening fast, and you're worried about where you're going to live, how you are going to live, um, what happens to the house, how in the world do you try to move in the middle of a baseball season if this happens. And as people know, like I've been finalists for other jobs, and it's really exciting process, but there was always a buffer. There was always time. This had no time. No time for a spring training situation, no time to even think about how to pack for six weeks. And... The, the phone call ended ultimately with the decision of a one-way ticket going down on a Monday. And I thought, oh, my God, this could really, really happen if I don't mess it up. So, <laughs> um, you know what? You, you try to figure out in the excitement of calling you know, a limited amount of friends and family and telling them why your, your mail needed to be forwarded to the Sunshine State and, and hope for the best. It was really exciting, sure, um, but you also, I don't know, you didn't want to get too amped up because you didn't want to be crushed. You didn't want to be so devastated if it didn't work out, and and listen, Sportsnet was awesome, and so were the guys at Sportsnet 590, The Fan, being very open about the process and the fact that at at first, they had no idea the way it was going to go, and I just went down knowing that the first five games, I'd be part of the broadcast, and then a couple of days in, they said, you know what, we're going to make sure you stay here for a while. It turned into a little bit of Broadcaster Survivor, where I was working with guys that had never worn a headset, let alone been on radio. And that was a challenge, because I was trying to sell myself first, and also try to bring out the best in them. Homer Bush is awesome, former New York Yankee, former Toronto Blue Jay, but Homer Bush had no radio experience. He had very limited interview experience, outside sitting down in you know, fielding the random question or post-game press conference, which is very structured. Being on radio and in live broadcast and doing baseball games on the radio was different and new for him. So, you know, what can you do in a 72-hour window? Um, I was just trying to do the best job that I could do and go through spring training. And I think I was part of, I don't know, like 20 of the 25 broadcasts. When, when things really started to move in my favor, I knew that final week of spring training that I'd have the job, and then immigration had to start too. So you're trying to to contain the excitement about everything. And um, unfortunately, I didn't get to go to Montreal, but um, the excitement of getting to Toronto, being introduced, opening day, was was as exciting and as incredible as anybody could imagine when they land their dream job. And if anybody's gone through an interview process, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a school bus driver, whether you're a doctor, you know, and you land that huge opportunity, you know, the excitement, you know, the emotion that's involved for you and your support network and the people that have been with you along this ride. And it's overwhelming. It really is overwhelming. So the first, uh, I'm going to include spring training. That was overwhelming in its own right. But um, the first month, just how accepting people were, North of the border, of course, hearing from Bison fans too, and how excited they were, and still, still hearing from them too, because I just, I just did a basketball game at St. Bonaventure, and I'm still getting people coming up to me, and they're like, "Oh, we miss you in Buffalo, but it's so awesome to, you know, hear you." Or it's great to hear Pat, you know, get the number one job, but it's great to hear you on the big league broadcast, and I can tell, you know, when when you drop a nugget that it came from Malacaro. you know, I'm like, "Well, of course, I'm stealing all of his material." Um, but you know, so it's, it, the excitement is still kind of like pumped back into your veins, even though we're almost a year removed from the process beginning. So, um, it's been an incredible, incredible year.
0: Don't worry. I don't take it personal that people are <laughs> sad to have you leave.
1: <laughs> don't take it personal. Be excited. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
0: Did you sleep the night before opening day in Toronto? You, you obviously knew you had the job. You were, you were locked in, but did you sleep before that first broadcast?
1: Oh, wow. Um,
0: what was that day like I guess maybe what was what was opening day at Rogers Center and the first broadcast as the the guy in Toronto
1: you know thankfully and I was able to sleep a little bit thankfully because I had called a game at Rogers Center already my my official major league debut was the previous September when I got a chance to fill in with the Blue Jays and the Kansas City Royals playing and I did two of those three games in that series and was part of the broadcast for all three. So thankfully, some of that anxiousness to, to see a game in the broadcast booth had already happened. I was comfortable visiting Jerry and Joe and, and Mike, of course. So I understood, you know, like how the ball flies a little bit and just I was comfortable in the booth. I just, you know, that, and that went a really, really, really long way. Getting to opening day was nuts because I did 48 hours, what felt like straight of the media circuit with TV interviews and introductions and phone calls and interviews from not only the GTA, but the Sportsnet radio network across the country and then parts in between and random hits too about just the season and my thoughts moving forward um, across uh, across America, let alone checking in with friends and family and my phone that just never stopped lighting up, you know, for about a three-week window. Getting to opening day, was, that was part of it, right, the buildup to opening day. Um, people behind the scenes, thankfully, kind of kept me insulated on opening day, knowing that it would be a mid-afternoon first pitch where we could get in there and just do our job, and that was really important. And uh, to the credit, too, the Blue Jays were awesome with that. And um, we, we just got in there, and we treated it like a spring training slash my process of going to a game day. With the, ex- with the excitement and the anticipation of it being opening day. I feel like I'm shot out of a cannon, whether we open the season in Pawtucket or Syracuse or you know, now at Salem Field. I love opening day. It doesn't matter where it happens. Um, but that day, of course, was very, very special. And uh, I didn't realize it or feel the enormity of opening day until I saw in the middle of the game a tweet from Mike Wilner now my broadcast partner, Mike Wilner. And he took an action shot of me and Kevin Barker in the broadcast booth, and here it is. You know, the first words of Ben Wagner, the third ever voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, to call first pitch on opening day. And that's when I kind of rocked back in my chair and I thought, oh, my God, there's Tom Cheek, there's Jerry Howarth, and then there's this guy. I, I, you know, I, I mean, I feel like I've always stepped in it, you know, my entire career, and at that moment, I realized just how awesome it was, and the fact that they didn't pull my credential, and I just kept showing up and tried to be on time, smile, and, you know, and enjoy myself, and, and hopefully from, you know, opening day on, things got obviously easier and more comfortable, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's really incredible thinking back to that day.
0: Is there a moment in the season where you just sat there, maybe you're just scrolling out the lineup for that
1: day, and you think, wow, I'm in the big leagues. <laughs> Every day. Every day. Or there are certain times, too, where you realize things are different. The travel is incredible, of course. Um, there are hotels you wake up or cities that you're visiting or walking around You know, to do your morning prep or read articles or whatever uh, that you're thinking, you know what? This is different. <laughs> and it's incredible at the same time because you're going to places that people make – Points to visit or destinations for people to visit and enjoy. Um, There are there are various pockets of time that you know throughout the course of the year that you think that too. Seattle was incredible, and I'm thankful that Seattle happened at least in my first year, a little bit later in the year. If it happened in April or May, I don't think I would have been able to enjoy it as much as I did since it happened in August or late July, August, where. Western on Western Canada comes down from B.C. and Vancouver by the bus loads and just runs over Safeco and drowns out every Marinerd fan. And hearing the Canadian national anthem at Safeco being belted out by tens of thousands of Canadian fans, I mean, that was an awesome, awesome moment. And knowing, too, that you've communicated with a lot of them because you're the link on radio to a lot of farm country in B.C. and the outstretch even beyond Vancouver, right? Um There were a couple of plays during the year, too, that, you you know, you you hear rebroadcast on the major networks, and you're like, "Uh." Like in Houston? (laughs) Like, exactly. And that's the moment I go back to, right? The Randall Gritchick catch in front of the wall and right. And, um, you know, just being able to be in that moment. That was in late June. So and everything that went into that that day, that series, that call – because Randall Gritchick's a Houston native. I mean, he's a Houstonian, and he had boatloads of friend and family there. Ryan Barucki was going to make his major league debut. And there was just, just tons of excitement around that entire series, right? So, And then the Randall Gritchick call and play in that moment of that entire game was just awesome. So, um, you know, that was, that was a more sleepless night, I think. Because of what happened in that game, because it would have been a game-tying home run, he goes into the wall, he robs it. Uh, fast forward October, you know, a Mookie Betts situation just, I mean, it almost mirrored it. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you know, I've lived it. I've sat in that booth, and I've lived making that call. So, yeah, those are a couple of really standout moments, um, you know, for me over the course of the year.
0: We're in the power alley with Ben Wagner, the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. Are there things that you weren't expecting throughout the course of the season that on the fly, year one, you know, not not having a full off season to maybe prepare for the rigors of 162 games or 182 days overall are the things that you learn throughout the year.
1: Yeah, you know how to manage my time. It's completely different because in the big leagues, your days have to be structured as convenient to the team and then communications personnel, or the fact that sometimes the ballpark will change your life. And the city that you're in may change your life. It's a lot easier to get to the ballpark from where we stay in Kansas City, you know, to get to Kauffman Stadium and play with the fountains, than it is to get from the middle of Manhattan up to the Bronx, for example. It's The travel is just a lot different, but it's also that that much more exciting, right? I kind of touched on that earlier. Um, there there are definitely some surprises in, in me looking back how to manage my time and manage my day. And I've thought about like, all right, now we know that, how can we make it better? And what kind of tools can I use to make it better? Or, or what advances in technology can I use to help make my day easier? So um, where in Buffalo, I could walk in and razz me each a little bit at one in the afternoon and say, you know, is Jason lovell going to play at third base today, or are you going to move around to second base? And this is a 130, and he has an idea where the lineup's going to go, right? And we can figure it out from there. In the big leagues, you're waiting on that stupid video board to post 1 through 10, the nine, the 9 in the batting order plus the pitcher. And just like in Buffalo, right, sometimes that starting pitcher that day changes without you even having an inkling. And that happened a couple of times too. So um, while – the late game scratches and changes weren't necessarily as abrasive as some of the other guys that have made their major league debuts because I lived it in Buffalo in those last-minute changes. That's, you know, that wasn't, I'm like, all right, this is why we do it in pencil. <laughs> um, so, but managing the time, the amount of information you have to absorb, that was a big undertaking at first. And then I realized, you know what? What I was doing got me here. Now there are these tools that make it a little bit easier and a little bit faster and a little bit easier to prep and, you know, find some stories. And, you know, you try to fight through the hindrances as the season goes along and, and you know, use it to your best of your advantage. How I prepped on opening day is completely different to how I prepped in the final series in Tampa Bay to close out the year, definitely.
0: And now as we look towards spring training coming up in just over a month from now, how has the first offseason with a season under your belt getting ready to go to spring training and have a full chance to go to spring training, not just at the last minute, pack a bag and go, how is this first off
1: season uh, treated you so far? Uh, it's been a lot of life, Pat, um, <laughs> learning about the Canadian government and taxes, <laughs> how the American government likes people that work or live on both sides of the border or don't like them. It's been a very eye-opening and very adulting filled few months and as excited as I am finally to get to another opening day in spring training, uh, I will be thankful that this first off season is in the rearview mirror where you can kind of settle in. I thought I would finally be able to get my head above water, enjoy some things here or there. Now, don't get me wrong. I've enjoyed life, and, and I am working in the playground of life, mm-hmm. and I get it. But there are just so many things that pop up unexpectedly when you know you get – Uh, an insurance question, or if you're trying to live stateside. And, you know, we were very blessed to have a beautiful home and a great community and awesome neighbors for the better part of a decade living in Western New York. And that's got to change. So I'm not packing a bag now, I'm packing a house. Even though we're not sure where we're going to live, the opportunity to have that choice and live wherever we are, Probably is not going to involve Western New York, and if it does involve Western New York, it won't be where we're at right now. It's just does; it doesn't make sense, um, you know. So we're we're trying to pack the house and maybe ship our our homestead to a well-deserving family in the future and get ready for I guess the unknown in terms of living. But man, it's been an, it's been a roller coaster at times. It's been a really enjoyable off season at times. October was awesome because I actually got to enjoy the GTA and I did everything I possibly could living in the middle of the city. Um, I'm trying to, you know, like, went to a Raptors game. I saw the symphony. I did a number of different just things that people that live in the greater Toronto area get to enjoy. And I got to experience it finally Um, instead of kind of living vicariously through through the social media. So all that moving forward, you know, you're excited about the season upcoming and the players and all that. You're also excited to finally get a couple of boxes checked and out of the way so you can really start to enjoy life.
0: You mentioned we, and in mentioning we, your, your wife, Megan, mm-hmm. she, she's lived this life with you as well over the past year. Uh, how has the adjustment been for both of you, I guess, or even you know, her coming back and
1: forth to, to your home here in western New York and, and back and forth? Well, if anybody has to travel from the GTA, you know you can make that ride through the borders in 90 minutes or it can take you four hours. And to her credit, she endured a lot of it. As I mentioned, we kept the house during the regular season because if things didn't work out our way and we came back in Buffalo, that was fine. We had a great place to live. So we made the decision to keep the house and try not to put the house on the market and sell it during a baseball season, which she would have had to endure all of that. She said, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. So, but she's the rock star behind the scenes. And for her to not only go with the personal changes that I had to go through – and the professional changes that we had to, to go through. And, and we were doing it step-by-step step the entire way. And there were surprises. There were frustrations. There were like, well, we didn't know that today. And, and there were a couple of, you know, very good, cool things that had to happen or f- happened to both of us too. Um, I mean, she's just been, she's just been awesome. So um, that, that's, that blonde, smiling, blue-eyed girl that, that people came to know at Coca-Cola Field – Uh, as it was known, is still the same person, you you know, and um, it was, it was an exciting time for both of us, obviously, and there were moments that she came back to Buffalo, too, and saw some ball games to just reconnect with those friendly faces at the ballpark in the front office, which was just awesome, you know, with me and with Megan, too, throughout the entire interview process, and throughout the entire year, Um, just a small story, on opening day, where the Bisons had an opportunity to bring a a contingent of people up for opening day at the Rogers center before the Bison season got underway. Mike Butchkowski directly reached out, not to me. Oh no. He reaches out to Megan and invites her down, you know, to the box that night and says, come by, say hello, blah, blah, blah. So he he, knows who's the boss. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yes. He exactly knows who's the, who's the boss. And, Who's going to keep everything ship-shaped while, uh, you know, I'm off playing radio. So um, again, just, just incredible memories, incredible friendships and um, a place that for Megan and I, like this is where we have roots. And we were two kids that got married in 2006 after I had three years in New Jersey, Megan moved out right at the start, end of 2005, 2006, before our wedding in Jersey. After we got married in September, like this was the next step for us, and that's that's why Buffalo is our home.
0: And just a couple more moments here in the Power Alley with Ben Wagner. All right, you've mentioned talking to different Sportsnet affiliates throughout Canada. What have you learned, maybe about our friends up north, living up there for for the better part of the last year, and just getting to know some of the folks in in the Greater Toronto area? Well,
1: the GTA is incredible, and. Uh, living in, in the core of the city like we do during the regular season is got every option, as you would imagine. And as people that live in Buffalo now are starting to realize, too, because of the modern conveniences that are being brought in with more of an emphasis to live within the city limits of Buffalo. Um, and that's another thing, too, that I'm really excited about is to see kind of the change in Buffalo in my 11 seasons, where when I first, you know, stepped in, on the job the first day, the odds still had a gaping hole in it. And there was a lot of red tape around that entire corridor. To see Buffalo develop and emerge and be exciting to be downtown is really awesome. And and things that I've enjoyed this off season and will continue to enjoy during my visits. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, it's almost overwhelming to think about life living in Toronto and enjoying every part of that. The bigger scope is, and Buck and Tabby will tell you this, You know, you you see the media reports about how certain major league broadcasts are doing. The numbers of Sportsnet and the reach of Sportsnet in the Canadian sphere and then on this side of the border blows those numbers out of the water. I mean, completely crushes them. And the fact that every night that Blue Jays baseball goes on the radio, we're in competition, maybe not in direct listenership, but in competition in terms of markets and affiliates. Of the Chicago Cubs and of the St. Louis Cardinals and of the Atlanta Braves, those are benchmark franchises when they talk about the media reach that Sportsnet not only has but then dominates. So you you learn that by watching social media, and you realize that you you fire this out and you know you're talking about how, what a great night it is. Well, somebody's at their desk, you know, waiting to clock out before five o'clock if they're listening in Vancouver, or if it's an afternoon game in the GTA, you know, somebody's just rolling into work and they're enjoying their cup of coffee. So you have to have a little bit different of a mindset in how you're communicating with the with the masses, if you will. And I guess that connection too makes it really cool when you're out West, where you've got late night Blue Jays if you're listening in Nova Scotia or Newfoundland or, um, you know, work your, start working your way West, right? But then you're in prime optimal time for those those West coasters, which is really cool. So... The, the overall reach of the Canadian fan base, of the Blue Jays fan base specifically, just owning the summer, which is awesome. It's just awesome. And, um, you know, for the time being, it may not be great in terms of wins and losses, but the storylines are going to be incredible moving forward, as they were this past year. And in some of the, even the headaches, you know, were good things to talk about on radio this past year. But moving forward, with a lot of the insurgents that is being pumped in from Buffalo or through Buffalo even up to Toronto and wherever the Blue Jays will be playing um, will be equally as exciting. I think a great stories to tell too. I look forward to
0: checking with you again soon and we'll talk baseball next time. Thanks for joining us in the Power Alley. You got it. I'm familiar with the
1: ballpark, so it is great to be on the Power Alley.
0: I hope you enjoyed our conversation. We'll check back in with Ben throughout the 2019 season. Get his first impression of Charlie Montoyo as the Blue Jay manager and just how things are going for the 25-man roster. The snow may have been flying here at Salem Field. The temperature's dipping, but we're heating up the hot stove, and I hope you'll be joining us this coming Thursday, January 17th, at the Atrium at Riches for our annual Hot Stove Prospects Showcase. Unfortunately, if you have not RSVP'd by now, the event is sold out, and the only way to follow along will be at Bisons.com, also on our social media platforms at BuffaloBisons and I'll be at the event tweeting at PatWGR as well. We look forward to checking in with you next time in the Power Alley. I'm your host, Pat Malacarro.